Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Scott Wolf's Mouse Clubhouse. Hi, this is Scott Wolf, and you're about to hear excerpts from conversations I've had with people who were at Disneyland on opening day. Although Disneyland opened to the public on July 18, 1955, July 17 is considered the official opening day. The 17th was really a huge press preview, but it was also televised live to the public and it was the day of Walt Disney's official dedication of Disneyland. The people you are about to hear include a designer from the model shop, Harriet Burns, original Mouseketeers Bobby Burgess, Sherry Alberoni Van Meter, and Cubby O'Brien, sculptor Blaine Gibson, Disneyland's marketing guru and first president Jack Lindquist, and the choreographer for the opening day festivities, Miriam Nelson. I didn't expect for all these conversations to be heard by the public, so the quality of the audio varies greatly. But I think you'll still enjoy hearing the stories of Disneyland's opening day from the people who were there. First up is Harriet Burns. Harriet worked in the model shop for WED, which today is known as Walt Disney Imagineering. Although she did so much more than just building models, she was involved in building the original models for, amongst other things, the buildings of Main Street and Sleeping Beauty Castle. From 2007, here's Harriet Burns. Oh my gosh, we were all assigned different places. Each person oh. at the studio, they, well, they sort of clumped us, but they'd say, now you go down by the boats, because they didn't want everyone in the same area. You know, they thought it would be spaced out and we'd sort of be hosting, you know, or, or you know, in different areas. I think Sam McKim got down by one of the boats and everything worked out okay. But most of us, it was just so crunched. You know, they had counterfeit tickets. You heard about that? Right, yeah. And so there was just this mob of people, and it was 110 degrees, and it was, <laughs> I don't know literally how, but it, it, the asphalt was melting. Every woman wore heels, and yeah. my heels would sink into the asphalt. That happened to you, wow. And it was just, oh, it was a it was a miserable hot day. And people, well, we never even tried to get over to the picnic area where they were serving uh, cold drinks and ice cream. I don't know what else they said they had, but... Um, we never even tried it, you know. Well, well, I couldn't even get to where I was assigned. My husband and, and Pam and I, uh, all of us, we just, and Waco came crunching by, and he said, you know, people would say, like, Elizabeth Taylor's over there, or, you know, they mentioned some movie star of the time. So-and-so's over on this area or by the uh, you know, island or something. But nobody, by the time anybody could get over there, they'd be gone. You know? It was just so crowded, you couldn't oh. even really move around. Right. And, wow. And before it opened... Uh, a friend and Wayne went down to bring. Well, Walt said there was a, a gap in Tomorrowland. I mean, where nothing was. So he said, take some models down there and just put them in as fillers. And so that Fred came back and he said, Oh my gosh! He said that place can't open tomorrow. He said there's rebar in the streets and there's rolls of wire and there's just lumber and stuff all over the place. And he said. Uh, poor Bill Evans hadn't even planted the stuff yet. He said, it's just awful. He said, I don't see how it can open. Well, of course, they worked all night, and umpty nine people's hands did it. Wow. We put our daughter on uh, the carousel next to Portland Mason, I remember. Hmm. And um, that, that we just really couldn't do what we were supposed to be doing. Wow. And I don't remember what time we left, but, oh, it was hot. Wow. Everybody was having a fit. Well, but it was memorable. You know? Yeah. <laughs> then, then Walt made his speeches and stuff. I mean, and, and the ribbons were cut and all of Linkletter stuff and whatnot. Yeah. Know? It was quite quite dramatic. Were you there? Did you get to see when he made the speech? Yes, but it was at a distance. Oh, really? So Still. I don't really remember him. Yeah. I, I don't think he was nervous. He was very confident. 
What did you think about Disneyland? Well, I thought it was a great idea, but I didn't know people would go that far myself, you know. Mm-hmm. when and, and when we first heard about it, all the animator guys were coming down, you know, talking to us. And some would say, oh, it's wonderful, you know, it's going to be terrific. And others would say, well, you know, who's going to drive that far and so forth. Even in the company, they weren't sure. Oh, no, oh, no. Although the Mickey Mouse Club television series was in production when Disneyland opened, it had not yet aired. The Mouseketeers made their debut on live television at Disneyland on opening day. Cubby O'Brien was one of the youngest Mouseketeers and remembers his experience. From 2012, here's Cubby O'Brien. It was, you know, a kid's dream come true to be down there. You know, I mean, it was, we'd all heard about what it was going to be like. And of course, we did go down there and rehearse a little before, but it was, it was pretty exciting that day. I mean, Art Linkletter was there. Governor Reagan was there, uh, and Walt Disney. And, you know, most of the people didn't know anything about us, because, like you said, the show hadn't aired yet, the Mickey Mouse Club hadn't aired. Right. So they didn't know what we were, these, these mouse kids were doing this show. Yeah. They were saying, who are these kids, you know? Yeah. But, but it, was, it was a pretty exciting day. Yeah. Yeah. What about Disneyland? Did you get a chance to see it, or you oh, know, sure. go on rides or anything? Oh, yeah, we did go on rides. Um, I was, I was, off because I couldn't do the utopia thing, ride the cars, because I wasn't tall enough. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. There was, <laughs> a, there was like a bar, and if you weren't that, that tall, you couldn't get in the cars, because I guess you couldn't reach the brake pedals and stuff, whatever you needed to do. Yeah. So, um, but we did all lots of the rides, you know, Peter Pan rides, and, and the teacups, and all the Dumbo rides, and yeah, it was, it was for a 9- or 10-year-old kid to be at Disneyland on opening day, it was pretty exciting. Sherry Alberoni Van Meter was not yet a Mouseketeer when Disneyland opened. However, she was still there on opening day, even though she did not yet have any association with Disney. In this conversation from 2013, Sherry explains how selling Campfire Girls candy earned her a ticket to the Magic Kingdom's opening day. Here's Sherry Alberoni Van Meter. So I sold all this candy, and so my prize was, I did a lot of TV shows then, uh, interview type shows, because I had sold this candy, and so they'd have me on in my little uniform. Well, my big prize was to be at Disneyland on opening day, and to have my picture taken with Walt Disney. So I, I still have the letter from the Carnation Company, and from the Girl Scouts and from Disneyland and you know here's a voucher you know for you know a dollar fifty for you know you to have lunch or something you know it was just crazy Uh, and I still have all of that somewhere so my I I went I was in the Carnation um, building there on on Main Street the ice cream shop and they had me uh, up there again on an apple box and I'm behind the fountain and I'm posing with Walt Disney and and I have um, I made him an ice cream sundae and so we're holding it and I'm in my Girl Scout uniform and um, it it was so hot that day and it was and there were just mobbed it was just packed with photographers and reporters and we're smiling at the camera and I look at and it's all melting oh, all down his sleeve. Oh. I'm going all over Walt. Oh. So, uh, did you actually make it? Yeah, I made the you Sunday. Did I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a vanilla with um, uh, chocolate fudge on top and nuts and a cherry. 
And then my, my mom and, and I and my dad and my brother, we spent the rest of the day at Disneyland. Did you remember talking to him or anything in, uh, that day? Um, just when he asked my name, you know, and I told him, and he said, congratulations, you know, that, that's all. Mouseketeer Bobby Burgess was one of those who danced on television on Disneyland's opening day, and he continued dancing on TV for decades to come, becoming a regular on The Lawrence Welk Show. In this conversation from 2009, Bobby discusses his Disneyland opening day experience and a special Disneyland memory that happened a few years later. Here's Bobby Burgess. We opened the park in 55. That was the first time you were on TV as a masketeer, right? Right, and nobody knew who we were. Art Linklater said, uh, we have the dancing children. I think they're going to be called the Mouseketeers. It was July, and we didn't come on until October. Of course, we came dancing out of the Mickey Mouse Club Theater, which people loved because it was the only air-conditioned place in the whole place. But um, it was kind of hard to dance because it was like not real smooth surface and hot. And Sharon and I had the jitterbug, and we had to, some of them had horses and the talent roundups. And the talent roundup costumes were like, wool. The next year, they, they, they modified them and changed them to a different material, but it was so hot that day. You know all those stories oh, yes. about oh, how yeah. the fountains weren't working, and it was like the, the asphalt was melting and stuff. And then we, then we continued out under, through the castle, and then we were in a big parade. And, you know, the ones, especially the ones with the horses and all of the other ones and stuff. So that was, that was really fun. This video of us actually coming around, walking around with the horses and different stuff. So that was neat. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, there's, what, 65 attractions now, and there were like 21 or something yeah, at the beginning. Many, yeah. <laughs> I have, I'm friends Did with you get the, to walk around that day? Hardly. They kept us pretty busy in rehearsing and all. I've watched every ride go up at that park there from the 50s, and everyone come down. In fact, I proposed to my wife on the bucket ride from Fan Tomorrowland to Fantasyland at night when the lights were twinkling and, and they were playing When You Wish Upon a Star and stuff, and she couldn't escape. I, I, popped, I, popped, the, I popped the question when we went through the Matterhorn. Blaine Gibson was a sculptor whose work includes Abraham Lincoln in Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, the Dolls of It's a Small World, Pirates and Pirates of the Caribbean and Ghosts in the Haunted Mansion, and much more, including the iconic partner statue of Walt Disney and Mickey Mouse that stands at the end of Main Street. In a conversation from 2007, here's Blaine Gibson. Oh yes, my wife and I were there, and it was not a good, happy day. It was hot, and we were not necessarily comfortable. Some of us were worse off than others. We, my wife and I were fairly... In, in a fairly good position that wasn't really that uncomfortable. But the asphalt was so warm that ladies' shoes even stuck in it. So it was not a uh, bad time mm -hmm. for me, but my assistant, Jack Furgis, he said he's never going to go back there again because he was stranded on a boxcar somehow <laughs> because of all of the uh, press and film taking by the press. He was set off and sat in this boxcar on that hot day with his wife. Wow. So that was not funny, and no. he kind of felt very bad about that for a long time. And I think he did finally get back to Disneyland, but I'm not sure. Jack Lindquist began working at Disneyland in marketing in 1955, and he would ultimately become the first president of Disneyland in 1990. Although Jack was not working for Disney by opening day, he did attend the press preview, because he was working for Kelvinator, which was one of the sponsors of a Disneyland attraction. Jack shared his opening day memories with me in this conversation from 2007. 
I apologize that the quality is not better. In fact, it's one of the worst quality interviews I've ever done. There was an issue with my recording equipment, but I also didn't intend for my interviews to be heard by the public at the time. Yet I think there's something special about hearing the stories firsthand from the people who share them, so I hope the quality doesn't detract from your enjoyment of these wonderful stories. Here's Jack Lindquist. I was there on opening day was a guest. I was a guest who tells me here. What did you think on opening day? I always hear stories. It was. It was. Really? Wow. It was so overcrowded, and it was, I think, 105. Wow. But I don't know. It was very, very hot. The traffic wasn't a problem. They had a great system of directing traffic, came right into the parking lot, and then everything came to a halt. You had tickets that said, ticket size had said, enter by enter at 1 p.m. Well, the people that had tickets at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m. weren't leaving. She was just adding more people going in, nobody coming out. Oh, so they were only going to allow people in for a certain amount of time. Uh, they didn't say, if you came in at 8 o'clock, you should be up by 12 o'clock. You know, they just thought, oh, people come in, they'll do a couple hours of leave. Wow. They did. Wow. So, you know, it's just back then. So it was, it was a bad house. Wow. It was a mess. Wow. And uh, I had my five-year-old son, and after about an hour, he got a one attraction. The canal boats in Storybook Land. Oh. And so the canal boats take off, and you wait there. 45 minutes later, it got back, being hauled by about half a dozen guys <gasps> that broke the boots. Oh broke. my gosh. It broke down. Oh my gosh. And <laughs> there was no food. You really? stood in line for a half hour to get a Coke. There was no drinking fountain. Because Walt had that decision to make about two weeks before Disneyland opened. Is that where it was either the, the bathrooms? Bike, either bathrooms yeah. or water fountain. I heard about that. And he yeah. went for bathrooms. So it was one drinking fountain in the whole park. Oh my gosh. So wow. no, it was it was awful, but that's when the all of us in marketing the marketing the advertising department publicity department, all of the, we were all under a group called the Public Relations Division. Eddie Neck was the publicity manager for Disneyland, and he was a unbelievable person. Eddie Neck was an old Hollywood publicist that worked for uh, RTO and 20th Century Fox, and uh, went to work for Disneyland. I knew what he meant since I was probably 10 years old. Really? Uh, my dad was a purchasing agent, RKO, and he met at the time was manager of the uh, RKO Hill Street in downtown LA. So I could, we could go down to the Hill Street Theater, ask for Eddie Neck, he lives in Louis Street. Wow. So I knew him, a wonderful man, wow. and uh, a perfect person, 
record is now he got all the press that was there opening day wrote these horrible articles about how terrible, how awful this new thing, the Wolf Disney, and so, you know, what a debacle it was. He got all those people over the next 18 months, two years, to come back and see the park like it should be on a normal day. Oh, wow. He turned that whole thing around. Legendary Hollywood choreographer Miriam Nelson was responsible for many of the performances during the live Disneyland broadcast. Having worked on Broadway and in live television shows, she thought she'd be ready for the Disney premiere, but this was unlike anything she had ever worked on before, as she explained to me in this conversation from 2008. Here's Miriam Nelson. I ran from play, from land to land. Tell me about that day. I would love to know. I would love well, to have been the opening day of Disney. Each land had its own director, television director. Okay. They were all good ones, and I knew some of them from NBC. Mm. And Jack Regis, that I mentioned, was yeah. my assistant that opening day. Mm. I remember a whole group of cowboys came up, and the one said, uh, where do you want all these all the horses and the cowboys. I'm thinking, I don't know, <laughs> you know. So I picked out a good-looking one for the white knight okay. and a villain for the black knight to the opening of the drawbridge, they would say. Oh, yeah, Remember sure. that? Mm -hmm. And then we had horses come into Frontierland, I remember. That was a scene. And my assistant was standing at the flagpole in the middle, mm -hmm. kind of directing. So some would go this way, some would go that way. And he was scared to death of horses. Oh, no. I didn't know it until the show oh, was over, and then he told me. And, uh, oh, Lordy, they had a big truck to put the dancers on to take them in a hurry to the next land where they had to change clothes. Oh, so the dancers oh they were the same dancers? Same, the dancers. same dancers. Wow. They lost the dancers once. Oh, no. The driver didn't know where he was. You know, the back roads out yeah. there? And the dancers are all saying, no, it's this way. I'm sure it's that way. <laughs> and did they make it there on time? Made it on time. But yeah. this one, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it was New Orleans. There was a big dance number. Yeah. And I remember we had girls sort of up on a balcony, those wrought iron things. And I had the boys were going to slide down these poles. And they said, oh, they can't do that. We just painted them. <laughs> the whole show was like that. Oh, really? It was crazy. Yeah. So what did you do? You just had to change... Yeah, I had to change it. Did you it. go down to the park beforehand to see it? Oh, sure. We rehearsed yeah. out there. Oh, we did. We rehearsed here in town, and then like the last week we were out right. there. Right. New Orleans section opened with a little boy tap dancing. Right, yeah. We're all ready to do that, and nobody can find the little boy. And so somebody said, I think he's down by the riverboat. <laughs> well, my assistant, Jack ran down there. There's the kid with his hand in the water, you know, la-di-da. And he picked him up, carried him back, oh. put him on his mark, jumped out, and the red light went on, and he was on. Oh. I mean, we were live. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty crowded, right? Oh, well, I was told that the people who worked out there were allowed to have their children come to be like the guests, they called them. Uh, they're not, there were just going to be, you know, maybe 20 kids or something, and I had worked this whole thing out when the drawbridge and the kids are going to run into right. the castle. Yeah, they'll run it, sure. And I had, like, the rabbit. All those were my dancers in costumes. Really? Yeah, they were in costumes. Because I had heard that Walt didn't intend to have characters there at the beginning, so those were just for the show. They were the dancers. Oh, wow. 
and they were, oh, they waited so long before the parade started because they came down Maine. And in those hot, it was so hot that day. I thought they're all going to keel over you know, if we don't start this thing. It would be like the rabbit was assigned to pick up kids and put them on the saucers, and another person was pick them up and put them on the merry-go-round. You know, they all had, but never rehearsed because we never had any of the kids. Well, the dancers are supposed to go across the bridge, you know, hippity hop, hippity hop, and then toward camera, you know, come on. And the kids were all going to be running from behind the camera, follow them into the they wouldn't come here, and there was hundreds of kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were going crazy, sure. putting that one here and that one there. You know, they were throwing them on rides. Yeah, oh, it was like hundreds of kids. Yeah. That they thought, you know, when they see them coming at them, oh, they, scared, they turned and ran. I know that in Frontierland, we had this dance and yeah. it was supposed to be cement and it wasn't it was gravel and oh, dirt really? and so they're dancing and kicking up the dirt <laughs> that's when we're at davy crockett and yeah and, and buddy epson buddy epson singing your fest partner buddy epson right singing. bang went old were, betsy bang went with old that betsy. gun <laughs> yeah. and then the dancers were all around there. right that, so they're on gravel there yeah <laughs> well you know when you i think about walt it. at all when you were out there who walt disney yeah um he walked by a few times when I was rehearsing out there. Yeah. And one time he said, uh, he wrote a note, would I please have the girl dancers wear, be more covered up? Because they were, it was so hot, they were wearing like little halter tops, you know, oh. shorts. For rehearsal, you mean? Mm-hmm. Because the workmen were slowing down oh. watching the girls. Oh. Now that's, I mean, he wrote it really, it was cute. Yeah. You know, when I think about it. Yeah, he yeah. made a joke out of serious. it. We hope you enjoyed this audio from Scott Wolf's Mouse Clubhouse. Thank you for joining us.